Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. Today on the Ether, Quicksilver Pools and Incentives live on ShadeSwap, hosted by Shade Protocol. Let's take a listen. Welcome, welcome, everyone. Really excited to actually have this conversation. Uh, we, we had a Twitter space with Quicksilver last week, and it was an incredible discussion with Vish. I'm excited to kind of expand on that, kind of break the mold that we had last time, uh, just kind of introducing the protocols and actually talk about some, uh, some really interesting observations and uh, synergistic opportunities uh, that are going to be emerging over the next couple weeks and months. So appreciate you all being here early. We'll probably give it till 10.05 and then we'll kick this thing off. Ooh, man, that is perfect timing, Carter. <laughs> just ready to kick this thing off. Go ahead and get you up here to speak. Yeah, well, while we're getting uh, Carter added up here as a speaker, we'll go ahead and go through uh, go through introductions. Uh, behind the Shade Protocol account, my name is Red-Eyed Bear. Um, I work with the marketing team for Shade Protocol. And today we're joined by our guest speakers, Carter Wetzel and Vish uh, from Quicksilver. So Vish, would you mind uh, introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, hey guys, I'm Vish. I'm one of the co-founders of Quicksilver. Uh, yeah, my background uh, is in economics. I worked in Chorus One before this, where uh, I was here doing a lot of research on liquid staking itself and liquid staking implementations. Uh, was involved in like building Lido for Solana and and kicking that off there. Uh, we yeah, decided that you know, uh, Cosmos is, is a great place to build a liquid staking protocol because of all the architectural flexibility you have all of the challenges to solve around governance you know around like validator distribution and all of that uh, and we had a couple of unique ideas so we thought hey you know what let's spin out as this independent team and build build quicksilver so that's that's what i've been doing that's beautiful and anyone uh if anyone is not familiar with quicksilver i highly suggest you go check out their social accounts check out their docs uh, familiarize yourself uh, Shade Protocol and Quicksilver, Quicksilver Protocol are going to become uh, very, very intimately intertwined. Um, so it's good to go ahead and get yourself familiarized. Carter, welcome this morning. How are you doing? Doing good. I'm getting some deja vu here with with uh, <laughs> with Vish being on stage here with Quicksilver. We we this, the the tables have turned this time. I know. Yeah, I was hoping to. Um, hoping to change up the pace of the Twitter space a little bit and talk about uh, some observations and some synergistic opportunities that are going to be kind of opening up as a result of this partnership rather than, um, you know, getting people just solely familiarized with Shade Protocol and Quicksilver since we did already do a Twitter space with Vish and um, 
that was a f- phenomenal conversation surrounding liquid staking derivatives. Uh, but I really want to kind of expand on that. Um, but for anyone who isn't uh, familiar uh, with you, Carter, would you mind introducing yourself? I think everyone is, but to, just to be sure, sure. For sure. So I'm the uh, lead researcher at Shade Protocol. Been in the space since 2017. Pretty much always been interested in stable coins and decentralized finance and specifically the crossroads of DeFi and the value of private metadata. Uh, so much of blockchain is built on totally transparent ledgers and there's a lot of uh, risks that get introduced there, whether it's trading, whether it's MEV, whether it's lending strategies, whether it's commerce. There's really this whole suite of problems that emerge from total transparency. And so um, helped pull together a team in 2021 to really build out uh, the private DeFi thesis. Um, and two years later, we, we, you know, we have uh, Silk, this, this beautiful, uh, resilient and powerful stablecoin that really uh, empowers individual sovereignty, retains purchasing power, uh, is, is globally accessible, globally transactable. Uh, you have ShadeSwap, this 100% front-running resistant decentralized exchange. Uh, we have a private staking derivative for Secret Network, the first ever uh, bonds product in all of Cosmos, empowering kind of protocol-owned uh, liquidity. And we also have a lending product that essentially allows users to, um, you know, lever up on their assets and utilize their their existing capital more. So we've we've built so many things, and now we're entering into the stage of journey where we get to partner with really awesome partners and and pull them into this vision, pull their assets into the vision, and the growth has been phenomenal, and it's only going to get more more interesting and more fun from here. Thank you for the introduction, Carter, for both yourself and Shade Protocol. That was great. Um, so last week when we uh, discussed together, we talked about some of the various value propositions that Quicksilver's liquid staking tokens provide uh, and some of the assets that you guys are currently providing support through your liquid staking protocol. So I kind of want to switch up the pace a little bit for this Twitter space in light of uh, you know our official partnership being live and announced got new pools going live on ShadeSwap later today as long as everything you know fingers crossed everything goes well um and there are going to be some new opportunities emerging um so kind of want to discuss some of those uh to kick this off for anyone who didn't see our announcement yesterday um we're going to have two new pools going live later today with quicksilver assets we're going to have q adam and adam pool and then we're going to have a q adam silk pool both are going to be receiving shade and quick incentives. So just want to put out, put that out there. I'll also state it um, at the end of the Twitter space, just in case anyone uh, missed it in the beginning, but just wanted to put that out there. Um, so the first thing I kind of want to talk about is an observation that's been uh, made not only by myself, other um, founders outside of the liquid staking space, but also, you know, co-founders and founders within uh, of liquid staking protocols. And it's that it seems like right now, most DEXs in the cosmos that provide any sort of meaningful support and emphasis on liquid staking derivatives are generally focused on capturing the market for a single liquid staking derivative asset. Um, and, and this could be in the form of a bunch of different uh, LS tokens for the same underlying layer one asset. Um, but But it's the same underlying asset that's being vied for. And right now, kind of that main 
rat race or the main race, uh, if you want to call it that, is the race to capture atom liquidity and, and more specifically liquid staked atom liquidity. So with both Quicksilver and Persistent seeing really solid adoption of their liquid staking atom tokens, uh, the, not only I believe, but I think there's a lot of other people who believe that there's an opportunity for both liquid staking protocols in DEXs outside of the incumbent uh, DEXs such as Osmosis. Um, to really tap into that new liquidity coming in. And it, it's one of the reasons I personally am so excited about the initial stages of this Quicksilver partnership. So I'm curious, Vish, from your perspective, what are your thoughts on the role you guys play in helping kind of facilitate this greater cross-chain exposure for IBC assets? Uh, this is something that we at Shade Protocol think about all the time, uh, you know, in relation to privacy as we're building out our application. So I'm, I'm curious uh, what you think about you guys' role in helping expand that exposure. Yeah, I think I think you've pretty much like uh, pretty much got to the point, right? Like, I think we've had a very like unipolar DEX environment primarily because you didn't have capital efficiency, right? So there was a sort of like flywheel effect where you know, osmosis was there. Uh, First, and you know, they did a really good job uh, around the like user experience, and uh, that sort of created this flywheel effect of any liquidity that existed in Cosmos essentially just went to the incumbent nexus, as as you put it, right? Uh, but that's what liquid staking was supposed to solve, right? Liquid staking gave you that capital efficiency, and it unlocked like the sixty six percent of assets that were once staked, uh, and the percentage depends on the chain, but you know somewhere around two thirds of all assets were staked. Uh, and now liquid staking provides this uh, this stake, uh, you know, is essentially like a new home, right? Uh, so obviously, like this now provides like space for like a lot of other dexes with like unique value propositions, like the one shade has to come in and like offer this alternative, right? And then give this uh, alternative experience to LPs, and that's really what you want to see happening. And I think that's really the purpose of liquid staking itself. Uh, so yeah, I think we're definitely in the right direction. I think it's also great that we have multiple liquid staking providers who themselves are differentiating a fair bit like on the feature level. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's what sort of signifies like a mature ecosystem, right? You have a multiple, multiple liquid staking providers with their own features, and then you have multiple DEXs with their own features. And then, uh, and yeah, like all of that just working synergistically. Uh, so yeah, I think that's definitely what's, at least what I think is in store uh, for the near future. Yeah, I agree. Carter, you know, from Shade Protocol's perspective, um, I would say the same sort of question could be asked to ourselves. Like what, what role do we really see in helping uh, facilitate greater cross-chain exposure for IBC assets? In this example, we're kind of talking about atom liquidity here, but you know, Quicksilver, Persistent, Stride, they all offer liquid staking tokens for, for other IBC assets outside of Atom. So, um, you know, from your perspective as someone helping build and further shade protocol, um, you know, how, how do you see the role that we're playing in helping facilitate uh, greater cross-chain utility, um, you know, whether it be through privacy or through uh, greater efficiency um, for swaps using ShadeSwap? 100%. That's a great question. Um, I think you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're building out these permissionless marketplaces where we're trying to 
connect traders to different different assets and um, staking derivatives happen to be this really good asset that has a lot of uh, desirable desirable properties and Cosmos for you know well over two years have been has has been in such in a situation where users that stake are kind of stuck they they can't participate in DeFi ecosystems because you know they don't have a liquid asset they they fully locked it up so in my mind one of our largest responsibilities is to help facilitate the process of unlocking liquidity cosmos wide and that's a huge that's a huge responsibility and also a huge opportunity and we're not going to be the only ones helping um facilitate that that massive unlocking of value um i think shade is well positioned to do it better better than most if not all just because of um the asymmetric concentrated liquidity that's specifically uh designed for staking derivatives but you know beyond staking derivatives shadeswap also really cares about the decentralized stablecoin environment too right it's not just staking derivatives uh, cosmos doesn't really have a de facto stable swap yet doesn't doesn't really exist so uh, we also believe it's important for decentralized stable coins to be highlighted cosmos wide this is why we support ist and cmst as well as usdt and usdc right it's it's about making uh, these these marketplaces that include a diversity of assets that users desire and making it seamless to convert between the various assets. So as a whole, uh, yeah, the onus is on us to expose users to quality assets, uh, do so in a way with as minimal friction as possible and have uh, privacy uniquely differentiated as part of that experience. I agree. It definitely is a, is a decent, maybe not burden, but... Um you know, the role that we kind of see ourselves playing in other protocols that are in a similar position. Like there is a lot of weight sort of on your shoulders to help really um, follow through with kind of what your tech stack is promising, you know, uh, with the efficiency that we're providing with Shade Swap, with the different value propositions with Silk and Shade Blend. Like there's a lot of uh, value there to be unlocked by users using these in DeFi. Um, or holding these, and so it is kind of the onus is upon us to to really follow through with all of these value props and make sure that um, we're able to kind of help facilitate this cross chain utility and exposure for um, all these different IBC assets. But kind of related to my previous question, something you you touched on there, Carter. Um, but Vish, it, what what is Quicksilver really looking for? Um, and this can be answered from a personal perspective or maybe from the protocol perspective, but like what is Quicksilver looking for when it comes to uh, DEXs where it wants to prioritize support and depth of liquidity for its liquid staking tokens? And I guess, you know, in a roundabout way, like why, why was it you guys were so interested in Shade Protocol's DEX hosting that liquidity and receiving incentives? Yeah, I think there's like broadly three three things, right? Like the first you want like, uh, optimal trading experience for like Q asset holders, uh, which I think like the, the asymmetric concentrated liquidity curve like offers that definitely right, and we've seen like a lot of exam examples of that working really well. So I think from that sense, it's a no brainer, right? Which is why I think the first Q atom atom pool that's not on osmosis is is uh, on shade, right? And it's probably going to be like that uh, until we find like a, a comparable or better curve. Uh, to provide this like you atom atom trading experience, right? Uh, so I guess that that's definitely like one thing 
that's interesting to us. Uh, I guess the second thing is also like the community, right? Like, uh, are we like intersecting LP communities? Like if there is already like a strong community on a particular chain, which is also a relatively strong community on a particular chain, we wouldn't want to essentially double spend on incentives uh, and sort of like divert that liquidity, right? So are we like speaking to a different user base, right? And I think uh, in, in Shade's case, that also makes sense, right? There is a, a user concern about privacy and uh, or the secret network community in general. So I think that then also offers uh, a substantial uh, differentiator, right? And I guess the third thing is like, what what can you actually do with these do with this liquidity, right? Are there like ancillary products and services which uh, the said dex is closely tied to, which you know benefits the utility of the Q asset? Uh, and I guess in Shade's case, that's also true, right? Like there's silk, you know, there's lending, there's bonds, and there's a bunch of other things that the Shade team is working on. Uh, so that was also like a big draw factor in like spending to set up like substantial liquidity there, given that there can be additional utility uh, built in other functions uh, in that ecosystem. Yeah, that was a really eloquent way of uh, elaborating on that. I really appreciate that. Um, I think, and, and I agree with what you're saying, and, and uh, we'll we'll touch on some of these other points uh, a little bit later on. But uh, you know, with the with the introduction of Quicksilver's Q Atom, and and in the future other Quicksilver assets, there's going to be some really interesting. Um, for anyone who's interested in arbitrage opportunities, there's going to be some really interesting cross chain arbitrage opportunities popping up. Uh, as far as I know. Osmosis is the only other DEX in the cosmos that has the three main atom liquid staking derivatives, which would be Stride, Persistence, and Quicksilver. So there's not only going to be some really interesting short-form arbitrage happening within Shade Protocol's DEX, but there's also going to be some interesting profitable long-form arbitrage, cross-DEX arbitrage between Osmosis that's going to pop up, which is going to be great for liquidity providers, um, you know, on both DEXs. So, um, you know, when... If we kind of compare the liquidity providing uh, environment on Osmosis, kind of the incumbent decks in the Cosmos versus Shade Protocol, there's going to be some really notable differences in the liquidity providing experience. And, uh, you know, most people think about when they think about um, liquid staking tokens being paired to something else, they might think of um, you know, that token automatically being paired with a, a governance token such as Osmo uh, right out of the bat. That's just kind of like the default token people think about. Um, you know, being uh, a team member with Shade Protocol, I can't help but think about the default token being paired to it as uh, to, to your liquid staking token is your underlying layer one asset. Um, you know, most other DEXs pair their liquid staking tokens, or not there, but liquid stoke, liquid staking tokens that are on their platform to their governance tokens. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, one of the pairs that's going to be launching on ShadeSwap is QAtom and Silk. Um, and I'm, so I'm curious, Vish, if you have any thoughts on like the benefits of users being able to pair that liquid staking token to a native stablecoin versus a kind of a volatile volatile governance token and some of the trade-offs that users are going to see there yeah i think one of like the main things that 
to think about when like pairing when like creating a pairing that's not you know your staking derivative and base asset is like uh, what's the trading utility there right and in this case i think for silk it was pretty easy because uh, you know silk is paired with like many other assets so that seems to be the plan right so if you want to trade from one asset to the other uh, that makes it easier to do right so I think that's one of the big benefits, though I think as it stands, providing liquidity on like a staking derivative and the base asset is probably more efficient because you have less uh, impermanent loss. Uh, but again, I, I, actually, this is something maybe Carter would know a bit better. I don't know if if like a, if two volatile assets versus one volatile asset and one uh, stablecoin has any impact on uh, impermanent loss, but uh, that's something I'd be curious to hear, or I'm sure it'll have some impact, but is that significant enough for there to be uh, a superior LP experience? I'm not sure of that. Yeah. So in order of like IL risk, it's definitely the worst is two volatile assets. The second worst is one volatile asset and one uh, stable asset. And then the third would be um, the kind of L1 to staking derivative experience, just because the divergence there is quite small um the interesting thing though is actually like the swap fees on silk to volatile asset is quite is quite high uh because there's a lot of demand for people to come in lock up assets mint out silk and then convert that silk into a different asset to kind of gain uh additional exposure uh to like a, an asset through their leverage position so there's situations where yes il is is essentially guaranteed like guaranteed to be higher but then your swap fees also they're they're more popular pools in some ways and the trading fees are are higher on those constant product constant product pools um also there's like weird situations where like even two volatile assets can end up not having as much impermanence loss as you'd think um at any given moment but whereas like with a stable to volatile asset like you're you're guaranteed impermanence loss but um, over time, like on a, on a long time frame, say like six months to a year, as a general rule of thumb, two volatile assets, greatest amount of IL, stable asset to volatile asset, second greatest, and then um, L1 to uh, staking derivatives is the least. And Carter, would you mind just for everyone here, would you mind kind of explaining the rationale behind us wanting to prioritize uh, uh, pairing to the silk token versus the shade token for for the majority of our um, liquidity pools on shade swap. Hundred percent. So this this goes back to the impermanence loss piece. The more the more impermanence loss risk there is, the more the protocol has to pay out in incentives to the liquidity provider uh, to offset the cost of potential volatility in essence. And so. Having Silk be the essentially default routing pair is is cheapest for Shade Protocol and also safest for for the liquidity provider. Um, it's also a really interesting routing asset because you can have you know USDC to Silk and then Silk to some other asset, and that's like a very efficient stable swap to onboard someone to be one route away from whatever asset they want to buy. So if you com compare this to something like Osmosis. All of the routing goes through a volatile asset. So trading fees are going to be higher because everything tied to Osmo is a constant, essentially a constant product pool, or mostly everything. There might be like some very small exceptions. Uh, versus with, with ShadeSwap, you have that um, 
stable swap environment tied to Silk, and then kind of constant product on the other side. So cheaper, it's essentially cheaper to onboard users that have a stable coin into their desired asset. It's a massive advantage, cheaper for the protocol to incentivize, and it's rest, less risk for the LP. It also adds a significant amount of utility to Shade Lend. Like every additional dollar of you know Shade liquidity on Shade Swap just improves the lending experience of, of Shade Lend. Thank you, Carter, for that explanation. That's uh, that was really good. I just I just want people to kind of understand the rationale that Shade Protocol is kind of undertaking when we're thinking about how we're wanting to pair assets to uh, the tokens that Shade Protocol natively offers. Um, and you know, there there's also uh, the beauty because all of these pools, or let's say the majority of these pools um, are paired with Silk. Silk kind of acts as this uh, routing token for users to basically access any any other token pair um, on ShadeSwap through Silk routing. So um, you get sort of that same uh, routing experience as you would, you know, similar to Osmosis. You know, if everything is paired to Osmo, um, it's going, it's generally uh, going through two different pools to go from uh, one asset to another, um, but with Shade Swap, all of that's being routed through Silk. And like Carter said, having that route through Silk is providing additional utility for Shade Lend. The protocol is able to generate more fees and still create a more um, stable and competitive trading environment um, than than other incumbent indexes. But to kind of bring it back away from non-atom liquid staking derivative adoption observations, um, you know, obviously atom is uh, the most popular asset being demanded in DeFi across the Cosmos ecosystem right now. But um, you know, there are a lot of other protocols uh, and tokens that have launched over the past four to six months. Um, so I feel uh, we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't at least talk a little bit about non-atom liquid staking derivative adoption. Um, it seems like most DEXs are kind of um, prioritizing and primarily focus on providing utility for their native blockchain's liquid staking token. And, and you know, that's that's understandable to a very large degree. Um, you know, if you go to Astroport, um, you know, they're going to be prioritizing Terra liquid staking derivatives. I know they also have Injective and they, they provide uh, support for um, liquid staking derivatives for injective, but you hop from different uh, decks to decks depending on what blockchain on they're on. They're almost certainly providing uh, support for just one uh, liquid staking token, um, whether it be specifically um, through one provider or multiple providers, but still uh, the same underlying token. And one, I wanted to point this out just because this is a really interesting observation. Uh, because we are in the Cosmos ecosystem, we're exposed and are able to leverage IBC. Assets are composable across all IBC compatible blockchains. So there isn't this need, this uh, requirement to solely focus on your native market. Of course, it's valuable to capture your close, closest market. And most of these uh, DEXs have captured that uh, market for the largest part. But I think most applications that want to succeed relative to other dApps in the Cosmos, a very interchain-minded approach is going to be critical. And that's something that Osmosis has done really well from the start. That's something I think Shade Protocol has done really well, uh, trying to position themselves as providing support for you know, the Cosmos in general. We're not just secret network focused. We're, we don't um, 
want to focus on you know solely what we want we want to be able to provide the utility that other protocols that other users throughout the cosmos ecosystem are are really looking for and so my question for you vish is for your newer assets um new q assets ones that may already be live but haven't seen you know the same level of adoption as q atom which is totally understandable um or or tokens that will be launching in the near, near future how are you guys approaching uh, where you want to support or primarily host that uh, liquidity? Is it sort of the same thought process as where you were thinking about where you wanted to uh, really seed your Q atom liquidity? Or do you guys uh, take anything else into account when you're thinking about uh, sort of those, um, the tier assets uh, below atom? Yeah, I think this, this is... Uh... That's like a conflicting perspective. Right? Like I would personally like like it to be the same as Atom, like the things we take into consideration when deciding where to deploy because fundamentally nothing is different, right? But I guess uh, the only thing that is really different in this case is one, exposure and like two, allegiances, right? Uh, if you have an asset that has a DEX where most of its users might live, uh, it just makes more sense to deploy it there, right? Unless there's a compelling enough reason for these users to move to like another DEX, right? Essentially, IBC their assets out uh, and then move. I think this uh, is really like a UX UX improvement that has to happen so that we don't create these like liquidity silos, right? Because uh, sure, I guess everybody understands that, you know, having liquidity like provides some sort of flywheel effect for the said ecosystem. So everyone, one, at least asset of one liquidity, you can, liquidity of one asset you can definitely capture is that of your own, right? So uh, I think everyone tries developing that flywheel effect. Uh, but again, that sort of goes against like the entire IBC thesis of okay, it doesn't matter on which chain your assets are, but they should be at the best place at the best product. Uh, so I guess this is like, like, in general, like a challenge we have with DEXs in like the next year or two in Cosmos. Uh, I'd you know, love to hear Carter's perspective on this and uh, you know, like what, what he thinks. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I think for us, it's just if there's a compelling enough reason for liquidity for this asset with a particular pair to exist on a particular DEX, then why not? Yeah, I think, yeah, Carter, I'd love to hear your perspective, especially surrounding kind of the, the UI UX requirements that would... Um that would pull someone from their native chain to be able to go use those uh, assets elsewhere in the cosmos uh, for DeFi purposes. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think. I think the IBC thesis lends itself towards aggregators and kind of multi-chain, like everyone kind of becoming a multi-chain app, and everyone kind of potentially tapping into liquidity that they don't necessarily own. I think that's going to be the really interesting like late game where it's like, so maybe I'm on a web page and I can see all of the assets that are trading on Osmosis and Astroport from the ShadeSwap interface. Um, maybe there's routing that's biased towards ShadeSwap liquidity, but at the end of the day, we're going to give people a full interchain experience and they can tap into um, pools that aren't on something like ShadeSwap. And then I think it'll come down to the DEXs like becoming really, really specialized um, just because if you're not specialized, then someone's going to start winning out 
the aggregator pairs if if you if you're not um i think that's a potential a potential paradigm um but overall like i i think i think interchain accounts i think apps becoming multi-chain um should unlock a lot of liquidity and technically like it should empower cosmos to grow the pie together and 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 volume kind of growing across the board the more connected everyone gets and i think that's a really good opportunity to be honest yeah the point you bring up about the role dex aggregators are going to play uh at least interchain dex aggregators are going to play in the cosmos ecosystem is a really good point um and considering that the differentiator the differentiation factor that you mentioned that's going to be required for for protocols to maintain any sort of lead or or sort of uh um spe- specialization uh in the cosmos is going to be important and shade swap has that unique differentiation uh from other dexes in the cosmos with this asymmetric concentrated liquidity so as we see interchain dexes really start to uh, pop up and flourish. Um, you know, a lot of that derivative swap uh, trading volume, I can imagine, is going to be routed through Shade Swap, and then you know those assets go wherever they want. Uh, we're not necessarily trying to uh, tell people that they should keep all their assets on Shade Protocol. The beauty of IBC is that assets are composable across all these blockchains. Users can do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. Um, is one of the reasons why we are committed to instant unbonding for our LPs, you know, users who want to provide liquidity, utilize their assets in private DeFi. Um, we want to be able to provide that additional flexibility uh, for users to, you know, when they want to use it elsewhere, whether that be in another shade application or it's somewhere else in DeFi based on their current uh, needs and wants, they can. Um, that's a, that was a really good point you made, Carter. Um, so kind of shifting away from DEXs here for a minute, um, you know, outside of wanting to spread, uh, you know, see the, the adoption of your liquid assets on DEXs, I can only assume that Quicksilver is extremely interested in seeing their liquid staking tokens being used in other uh, DeFi applications, um, considering the reduction in hurdle rate uh, of, of the use of your liquid staking tokens in DeFi. Um, I tried doing some research before this, and I know Q Atom is currently available on UMI's money market lending protocol. But are there any other DeFi products, not including other DEXs, that leverage Q Atom or Q assets right now, Vish? Um, so I think currently it's it's only UMI. We are working you know, to get you know the integration on Mars running. I think you know like Mars currently does not support stable swap pools. They're working on it, so. Uh, that's like a collaboration we're working on. Uh, but again, this is another thing, right? Like we have, okay, there's, there's actually two things to consider here. Like we have like limited amount of uh, CDP use cases in Cosmos. I think they're, you know, just coming up. Uh, so number is far and few between. And I guess the second thing is also cross-chain liquidations, right? Like uh, we'd love to get on sh- like shade lend, for example, but uh, you know, we first have to like support that liquidity on shade itself. Um, so there's only a few like lending protocols which actually can, uh, or like are willing to do cross-chain liquidations, right? So if you have liquidity in one place, uh, you can sort of reuse that for lending collateral on on multiple multiple avenues, right? Um, so yeah, I guess that's 
currently like what we're looking at, we're also like trying to get a few CDP uh, stable coin integrations up. We are you know, obviously talking with inter protocol team to like make sure they're ready when you know, they start accepting other assets as collateral. We're talking to the Comdex team, uh, you know, definitely, definitely looking forward for the Silk stablecoin CDP to go up. Um, I think that would be a really big one. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's what that's what our, our thought process looks like now. Yeah, the point you bring up about needing to have uh, proper liquidity on these DEXs before you're really looking to expand, uh, you know, the Q asset use in lending protocols, and that that's very true. That holds uh, true to Shade Protocol before Q Adam would ever be um, added as uh, accepted collateral to borrow silk, um, we would need to definitely see liquidity on shade swap increase. Um, but yeah, what, what you point out with uh, being able to collateralize QAdam for silk is a, it's a really interesting opportunity that emerges um, between our two communities. Um, so, you know, within shade protocols, suite of applications, users are able to collateralize their, uh, their liquid staked assets and borrow silk. Currently, Users can collateralize three different liquid staking tokens, uh, ST Atom, ST Osmo, and Stake Secret, which is Shade Protocol's liquid staking derivative for Secret. Uh, to date, we've seen some incredible usage and adoption of the liquid stake derivative collateral vaults, especially the ST Atom vault. Um, it's not necessarily super surprising that Atom is kind of taking the lead for uh, the, the most. Uh, demanded vault. Um, but it, it's still interesting nonetheless. Currently, there's approximately, I think, 212,000 ST Atom collateralized, which is making uh, ST Atom our, our largest vault by dollar amount collateralized. And I, and I only really bring this up to emphasize the fact that Atom holders are really kind of chomping at the bit to use their assets in DeFi. Um, and by extension, Shade Lend. Um, and through Shadeland, users are going to be able to borrow Silk, this next generation style of stablecoin that's reflexive, private by default. It's pegged to this basket of currencies and commodities. So it provides this perpetual um, global volatility hedging uh, just by holding it that no other stablecoins are able to really provide. So, you know, with, with this partnership, one of the next steps outside of launching these pools uh, would be adding QAdam as accepted collateral to Mint Silk. You had also mentioned you're looking to have QAdam back other CDP stable coins within the Cosmos. Um, you know, this is a really cool moment uh, it, for both Quicksilver, for Shade Protocol, for any of these other uh, decentralized stablecoin protocols. And so I'm curious, Vish, from your perspective. Um, while I'm sure this is the first of many milestones along the journey for Quicksilver, what, is it, what does it kind of mean to you guys or you personally to, to kind of see your assets being accepted as collateral for these decentralized stablecoins to be being heavily demanded in money market lending protocols? Um, you know, what, what does that mean to you guys? Yeah, I think that's a big deal, right? In that way, like Silk is like the first uh, collateralized stablecoin that we're really pushing to get uh, get integrated. So I think for us, like that is a priority, right? Because uh, it like having like, being able to mint stable coins on staking derivatives, apart from like that opening up like a lot of DeFi possibilities, it also provides like some unique use cases to your larger Q Atom holders. 
you know, I think that's one of the great things about having liquidity when you liquid stake, right? It's not just being able to sell the asset when you need, but you're being able to borrow stable coins against it, you know, to use for operations or like just to use for personal expenditure and sort of pay that back when the time comes, right? That in many ways is also the liquidity that liquid staking offers. Uh, in my, and in many ways, that might be might be a much more efficient way of obtaining liquidity, right? Because, uh, you know, like there is like some certain amount of slippage on DEXs. So it might as well make sense that you you actually borrow silk off of it, use that silk for whatever you need and uh, and pay that back, right? So, um, so yeah, I guess this is definitely expanding the the liquidity element of, of liquid staking. Dan Carter, from, from your perspective, from the shade protocol perspective, um, you know, what, what does it kind of make you think of when you, you know, when we eventually get uh, Quicksilver assets onboarded as collateral and shade lend, when we eventually get persistence assets onboarded as collateral on shade lend. Um, I mean, right there with just those two additional protocols, that would mean that there's uh liquid staking tokens built by four different protocols being accepted as uh, collateral. And obviously this is looking into the future. This is not the case right now. Um, but, you know, when we get to that point, that will be a pretty big milestone seeing not only um, the adoption of multiple liquid staking uh, protocols and their tokens within uh, private DeFi, but also it kind of speaks to, you know, the dedication that Shape Protocol has toward expanding um, you know, liquid staking derivative utility within the cosmos. Um, I would say this, this is a, not a, it's not a show of faith. It's a, it's a show of commitment, um, you know, and following through with kind of the efficiencies that are unlocked with our different protocols. So Carter, from your perspective, like what, you know, what, what is that milestone or what is this, uh, marker kind of in our history, uh, mean to you into the protocol? Yeah, well, I think, you know, you go back to like last year, right? And liquid staking derivatives, liquid staking tokens, these concepts weren't maybe fully understood and circulated yet. And we really chose to go all in on this vision of liquid staking tokens. I mean, we we devoted R&D to a curve that ended up mapping perfectly onto staking derivatives. And I think staking liquid staking tokens they just they just make so much sense and we've always had that drive to make them the centerpiece of the shade DeFi ecosystem i think what's most surreal for me is is um like having all these partners also excited to to come to shade swap like it, it means that there's there's genuine value uh that was built the last year to two years that that work uh is being recognized by users and it's being recognized by other protocols and for us, like we want to continue to honor that story um, of, of the liquid staking token. And I think like I think Cosmos is just getting started. That's the thing. Like it's it's the bottom of a very long and arduous bear. And we're still seeing amazing TVL growth for liquid staking protocols. So I can't even begin to comprehend because it's it's very easy to forget how fast things can can grow when when liquidity starts to flow again and and, and things turn around um 
and so as a benchmark, like our goal is to onboard every single key, um, you know, liquidity or every single key liquid staking token. And the, the really the next, the next stage now that we've onboarded all these partners, and this is like a Q3 initiative. I actually put a forum post up about this is creating a, a, a fair market, uh, a fair market where the rules of emissions are fairly um, competed, uh, competed upon in terms of volume as well as in terms of the value of external incentives that are brought. Um, you know, in the bootstrapping phase, it's really like uh, business development teams working with other business development teams to to get people onboarded. Um, but this creates lopsided relationships between kind of, you know, shade swap and the free market. And we really want to empower the free market to, um, you know, show us which assets are considered the most safe, which assets have the most utility, and then it really empower the protocols to bring as much volume and as much incentives as they'd like, and then get incentives in return in relation to the rest of the competitive landscape. So um, I'm really excited for for Q3 and Q4 on this front, um, just because I think I think competition is super healthy, and we really want to empower um the the free market of liquid staking tokens for people for for each protocol to be able to carve out their niche and drive volume and 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 derive a lot of value from the platform in a in a fair and transparent way in terms of rules yes for anyone interested in reading a little bit more about what Karu was just discussing uh really suggest you guys head to the shade protocol forums uh you can find our forums uh, on our landing page, if you go to shadeprotocol.io and you scroll down to the bottom, you should see a link to our forums, and it should be the most recent forum post up there. Um, but yeah, I'm really ex- excited to uh, further that discussion. Um, you know, in the future, I think kind of empowering this free markets, like you're saying, Carter, is going to be a really important part of um, you know Shade Protocol's journey and its and its kind of the ethos that it holds. And especially like in a way that has as low barrier of, as possible for partners to jump into like shade swap. Like I think the biggest problem, like in essence, the framework that we're building out is valuing and recognizing the external capital that partners are bringing in addition to volume. Whereas most of the other decks landscape out there are purely obsessed with volume, but this fails to recognize the risk that a partner is taking when they bring their capital um, to to like an external platform versus an alternative. So I'm I'm super excited about the framework, and it's it's really um, the framework that's emerging has really been inspired by the bad experience I've you know had on other platforms and the politicking that exists to you know just get an asset listed and having to work with you know convincing a validator set or convincing the right set of actors and it's like really what we shouldn't what we should aspire for is that anyone can come anyone can list anyone can bring emissions and they're immediately part of a transparent set of data-driven rules that everyone competes on um and that means that you know the protocols that are really well designed really safe and do a great job of driving users to the platform are ultimately going to benefit the most from uh, shady emissions. And yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for that, that free market to kind of emerge. I think it's, it, it'll probably take all the way till Q4 to kind of get 
some of the the data driven stuff set up. But um, as a whole, when everything is said and done, I think it will be the most competitive um, and most most efficient market in Cosmos for liquid staking tokens. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. I know I'm biased, but I agree with you, Carter. Uh, so before we open um, before we open up the floor to any community questions, and if anyone has any questions, go ahead and request. We'll bring you up in just a moment. Um, but before we open this up, Vish, I have one last question for you. Uh, so as far as Quicksilver specific development is concerned, is there anything you guys are looking forward to in particular on Quicksilver's development roadmap? Any potential alpha you want to spill to anyone listening today? Um, yeah, sure. I think one of the things uh, we're excited to launch pretty soon is uh, the claims module, right? And, and intent signaling with it. So. Uh, so that's going live uh, pretty soon. I think it's in the final stages of of testing, at least the first iteration of it. And this unlocks many uh, Quicksilver features. It, it unlocks infrastructure required for us to do governance, uh, which is also really around the corner. Uh, so yeah, I guess uh, pretty busy next couple of months. We're also working with you know Quasar on their index, uh, which is pretty cool and. Uh, we're about to announce like an exciting feature which makes like this index integration uh, super useful. Uh, and again, like an index is really cool, right? That also has, I'm sure, like a lot of synergies with shared itself, which we could explore. Uh, but yeah, that's I'd say that I'd say is like what what's preoccupying Quicksilver dev- development currently. It, just uh, just so I'm clear, and anyone else that's listening is clear, when you're talking about the uh, index asset. Um, that Quasar is working on. Are you referring to the, is it IBC? It's not IBCX. I think they were calling it, wanted to call it IBC and then decided to change that. Yeah. It's, it's yet unnamed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but they're working. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure uh, I was envisioning the the right thing here. Um, yeah, that, that sounds really cool. And I was going to kind of ask about that. I know it's, probably something that's a little bit further on your uh, roadmap, but uh, you know, it's additional utility while, while people may not agree about, you know, the breakdown of this index. And I think if, if there is any sort of significant adoption for this, I think um, it's basically going to demand that there are multiple indexes that come out, um, you know, as users are a bit more picky with what assets they want to include in their index, whether they want to focus on, um, you know, specifically liquid staking protocol uh, governance tokens, where they want to focus specifically on Cosmosm, uh, permissionless Cosmosm uh, platform governance tokens, whatever the case may be. Um, I think there's going to be multiple indexes that come out that way. Users can really pick their niche uh, that they really want to park their capital in. Um, but that is uh, that's the last question I have from my side. I've got a personal one if no one else uh, has any questions. Again, if, if anyone has any questions for Carter or Vish or myself, I guess, uh, feel free to request to speak. We'll bring you up here. Um, anyone is welcome to come up here and speak. It doesn't have to be uh, anything we talked about today. It could be a question about Quicksilver in general. It could be a question about Shape Protocol in general. Uh, we're always happy to answer any questions that the community has. I I do have a question for for Vish. Um, there on the announcement 
announcement uh, post that we made, there was uh, someone from Stride that responded specifically surrounding um, the ability of, of Quicksilver to bond to specific validators. And I'd love to kind of just like get your thoughts on that comment and yeah, just kind of get like a, a re response from you on that. I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, okay. So, so first thing, right, just to set the ground and make the introduction to actually let people tell, choose which validators they want the protocol to, to delegate to on their behalf. We use this thing called uh, the intents model, right? So we let every account set an intent, right? And your intent could be validator ABC. Uh, and then the protocol tries essentially tries its best to match this intent to, to the delegation, right? Uh, now this mostly happens uh, at some point, right? It might there might be particular delay because currently Cosmos only lets you do seven uh, concurrent redelegations. Uh, so it, it might take some time, but the intent essentially gets there, right? And then the protocol itself has this thing called aggregate intent, which essentially maps all of the intents made by the accounts and weights it by the amount of tokens each account holds, right? And to calculate like what you hold, we use like the claims module, which has interchain queries essentially to cryptographically track which account owns which Q asset on which chain in which DeFi protocol. Right. So it's a pretty like complex thing working in the background to make this happen. Uh, but but I think there was like one criticism going on around around the intense model, right? I think it was primarily you know the fact that uh, when you signal intent in like a pooled asset, you know, what's essentially if somebody gets slashed, uh, that slashing is essentially the assumption at least is that the slashing is spread across everyone, right? So as someone who's, as a minority staker, if I make a, a validator choice and a majority staker makes a bad choice or delegates to a dishonest validator, uh, it would be unfair for me to experience a part of that slashing, right? And I guess my response to that would be, we're actually working on a solution which uh, sort of isolates that risk, right? It essentially, uh, and you know there is like a interesting paper which talks about you know the potential uh, attacks of delegated proof of stake and the principal agent problem in general. Uh, and the concept is of fair punishment. So if I've chosen a validator and they get slashed, I, I should be the one to receive that punishment, right? That and the punishment here being slashing. So uh, this is like one thing we're working on, uh, which essentially provides like fair punishment, right? So you essentially have to own up to your validator choices. Uh, again, this is work in progress because it has like a few other prerequisites that need to be met for fair punishment to happen. Uh, but, you know, we decided to go on with it because there's no economic, there's essentially no economic attack. Right? There's no attack that can benefit anybody with an intense model. And this is why we have participation rewards as like a way to provide economic incentive to sort of ease into into model a and b right uh, so this is something that's very important to quicksilver right being able to express your validator opinion uh you we think it's pretty much central to staking in general uh especially for delegated proof stake chains like cosmos uh, so yeah we're essentially working really hard to, to make sure that you know fair fair punishment is is delivered with intents
Gotcha. And so is the current criticism that instead of kind of a fair punishment model where the corresponding intent, the, the yeah, the intent that's given, like that corresponding liquid staking token is receiving the punishment from from going with the specific validator. Is is it more currently like essentially socialized instead of like a proper correspondence or what's like? That's right. Yeah. That's right. It, it's going to be socialized because uh, you know, the value of the Q atom might fall uh, a minuscule amount when there's a slashing, right? And this also comes down to slashing par parameters, right? Currently, the maximum amount you can get slashed uh, is 5%, right? And which it, it, which in itself is like, you know, relatively small and, and the double signing slashing events are pretty rare. So if you actually like calculate so for the for the if you want to calculate the impact a double signing slash can have on any liquid staking token, uh, you essentially have to make it like a factor of the voting power of the validator getting slashed on that liquid staking protocol uh, into five percent, right? And if you do that, in most cases it comes down to like like a very very small number. And then if you take all the double signing events that happened in Cosmos as like a benchmark for the probability, you have like a very small number, right? But you know, we still want to like essentially deliver fair, fair punishment purely as a matter, matter of like economic principle, right? Like we do understand that in, in smaller chains, for example, the, the risk can be exacerbated, but uh, you know, as it stands, it's like a, it's like a very tiny, uh, this double signing slashing is like a very tiny Im impact on, on sure. any staking derivatives price. And this makes sense to me now, like the, so then, yeah, and that's like, if you, how do you deal with it with a, in a way that doesn't break fungibility? I, I think that is a super interesting question. Yeah, uh, this, this is the big question. And I think uh, I will, we will announce it soon. Like I am not, I'm technically not supposed to speak too much about our exa exact design, uh, but we are working on a model which essentially doesn't break fungibility, but also delivers fair punishment, right? And this, actually requires like a complete rework of how staking, uh, liquid staking rewards work in general. Uh, so yeah, there's a pretty big upgrade coming this year, which, which sort of fixes this, introduces like a bunch of new features, uh, you know, related to this that also like improves like user experience a lot. So uh, definitely something to look forward to on our roadmap. I'm fascinated. I'm absolutely fascinated. When, whenever there's like a, um, like a specific type of social slashing or, or like mechanic that has to be put in place that breaks, like I think solving for fungibility is always one of the most intriguing problems and like it's super difficult. So I would love to, uh, as you guys research that, I'm happy to sign an NDA or whatever. I just love to read whatever, <laughs> you're, whatever you're proposing. Oh yeah, sure, we, we can do that. Uh, yeah, you can also probably figure it out, right? Like all of the information to do socialized slashing or like non-socialized slashing exists on Quicksilver, right? The claims module tracks asset ownership, uh, right? The protocol itself tracks intents. So if you have a picture of like intents and asset ownership, you essentially know who has to get slashed, right? That's the easy part. I guess the, the trick is in figuring out how you do it. Right, um, and that's that. That's the part I prob probably shouldn't reveal. 
That's fascinating. I I have some ideas on how you do it, but I won't I won't I won't I won't, I won't guess out loud here. But that's what a fascinating problem. So I'll pause here. I know we're four minutes over, but let's open it up to the audience really quick for any questions. And then uh, if not, thanks, uh, Vision Quicksilver. So we'll we'll pause here for any questions. Yeah. Anyone who has any questions, feel free to request to speak. Come up. Uh, we're more than happy to answer any questions you guys might have. And while we're waiting, just want to remind everyone who uh, might have came in after the beginning of the Twitter space, um, you know, with the official launch of the Quicksilver Shave Protocol uh, strategic partnership, we're going to be launching two new pools, ideally today, uh, barring any, um, you know, technical difficulties. Uh, those pools are going to be Q, Adam, and Adam pulled together, and then Q, Adam, and Silk. And both of those, uh, both of those pools are going to be receiving shade and quick incentives. So anyone who's looking to leverage or use their Q Atom in DeFi, in private DeFi, um, and earn and earn LP rewards, swap fees, um, definitely get your liquidity ready. Um, oh, we got one request. Lowo, thank you for joining us today. Go ahead and ask your question. Hey, how you, hey, how you guys doing? Doing uh, well. I had a question. Yes, thank you. I had a question um about the Juno and State Juno pool. I was trying to see like um when y'all was gonna um start that pool up as well. Yes. So on the forums, there's a the Shade Protocol forums. There's an official thread that has a master emission update. And right now, we actually started off with a Juno SG Juno pool, uh, but the demand and volume was low enough on it that the decision was was made to essentially turn those emissions off. Um, there's actually still like a couple thousand dollars worth of liquidity, and ironically, it's being arbed against quite a bit. So the swap fee APY on that pool is still actually interesting, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, as of right now, um, the support for Juno on the emission side is just kind of pending deeper, deeper volume in the Juno ecosystem. Um, another thing too is Juno has multiple uh, staking derivatives, like kind of confusingly so. There's a, like a Window Juno staking derivative. There's also a Stake Easy staking derivative. And there's just been like, there's a lot of localized demand for the Juno derivative and training environment. and it appears that there's not a lot of demand for people to trade Juno assets on ShadeSwap. Like the data in the first two to three weeks was pretty compelling. So um, I'd, I'd recommend bringing your Juno liquidity probably to Windau um, or, or Osmosis um, as of right now. Okay. Uh, do you guys think in the future you uh, uh, um, have more um, use for Juno? Can you say it one more time? In the future, do y'all guys think y'all to start to um, pool up with Juno? Or is it just like dead? Yeah, I, I mean, I think candidly it's dead right now. Um, I think I think that could that could change as the Juno ecosystem and its DeFi potentially right revitalizes and, and turns turns around significantly. But we did we did an initial two to three week experiment uh, on the Juno pool and there just wasn't there wasn't enough interest to kind of justify distinct uh, support for it. So TLDR, room for that to change. 
the initial experiment didn't lend itself to uh, continued distinct support uh, for the Juno ecosystem, but happy for that to change at some point in the future. But thanks for your question, and um, okay. I hope I hope you find a good DeFi experience for your Juno assets. I appreciate your interest uh, in that. Uh, I have Juno over O'Shea. Um, that's uh, that's why I asked. Um, I wasn't planning on moving it. Um, I was having a little trouble, but I'm gonna keep it there. Um, just in case if anything happens, I have um equity already over there. So, thank you guys. It's interesting to uh to kind of see some of that arbitrage activity that Carter was mentioning. Uh, I think last night when I was looking at it, uh, in you know a pool with only uh, like two and a half thousand TVL, there was I think fifty two thousand uh, dollars in swap volume uh, just yesterday, which if you were to annualize the swap fees uh, accrued from that amount of trading volume, it was a few hundred percent uh, APY. So, um, you know, individuals who are still providing liquidity from that pool are still earning swap fees, um, which is really great. But kind of what Carter was saying, it, it comes back to, you know, a lot of these DEXs and, and this is definitely the case for Juno, um, you know, they're primarily focused on capturing the liquidity and attention of their immediate layer one ecosystem. And so uh, for the most part, it seems that uh, Juno liquidity is primarily focusing on being seated on Juno, whether that be, you know, on the, uh, oh man, what was the first one they launched? Juno swap. And now they've got uh, Window. Window. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it is somewhat kind of expected to see most of that liquidity uh, want to stay on Juno, but um, you know the the pools uh, the pool for Juno ST Juno is still available on ShadeSwap, and anyone who wants to still earn swap fees um, from that can still do so as they're providing liquidity. Yeah, that might be a good option for you, uh, Lolo, if you're interested in earning swap fees and want to do something with your private Juno assets on ShadeSwap. Yeah, all right. I don't see any other requests, so I think we can officially go ahead and close it out. Uh, close it out. I want to thank everyone who stayed here and listened the entire time for joining us. Thank you, Vish. Thank you, Carter, for your time this morning to discuss this partnership and some of the synergistic opportunities that are going to be unlocked over the course of the next weeks and months. Um, I already know this about Carter, but Vish, I can tell you're an incredibly passionate builder. And I wish you guys the best of luck with your continued development. Um, we're all incredibly excited about uh, the future development of Quicksilver um, and us at Shade Protocol and Quicksilver. I know we're all incredibly excited about the launch of the new uh, Q Atom pools later today uh, with the launch of dual incentives to those pools. So I uh, just want to thank everyone for being here. Thank you to our speakers. Um, if you have not familiarized yourself with Quicksilver Zone, Definitely follow their uh, Twitter account, check out their docs, um, check out their application, familiarize yourself. So those assets are going to be listed on Shade, uh, Shade Swap very soon. Um, and for anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about Shade Protocol, highly suggest you guys uh, check out uh, our protocol docs for anyone looking to do any deep dives. Follow our social accounts, join our communities and Discord, um, and definitely check out the application for anyone who hasn't tried uh, providing liquidity or making any swaps on Shade Swap, um, suggest you guys all do it. And 
please provide feedback. You know, uh, one of the things that we really strive uh, to do with Shade Protocol in our development is simplify and improve the user experience surrounding um, <clears throat> private DeFi. And so we're always looking to improve uh, the way that our applications work and function. So any feedback is welcome. Um, but that, that is the end of my uh, spiel at the end. Thank you all for uh, listening in today, and I hope you all have a great rest of the day. Have a good one, guys. Happy morning. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Quicksilver Pools and Incentives live on ShadeSwap, hosted by Shade Protocol, recorded on Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's just like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Tripping on the bird app, listening to nerds flap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web 3. That's why they can't fly. They just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower. Blowing up the bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preaching open sauce, but don't listen to the code. And now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking Westside shit, needle and noose Sticking with my armory, Yam, Beto and Bruce Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam Is it really worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no we started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, the shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you, you would be like don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost us a lot more than what can be gained by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.